okay, I'm going to put aside a week's worth of costs and I'm going to put aside two weeks worth of costs and just feel like it's a little, you've got a little pot that you're aiming for and you're just slowly adding into that pot. And as you said earlier about automating where your money goes, this is a really good way to do this. So your money comes in, your sales money comes in and you automate it out. So some of it goes into your tax savings pot, some of it goes into your runway, some of it goes into your pay. Welcome to Scaling Simplified. A weekly conversation diving into our knowledge of teams, finance, strategies and startups to help you scale to seven figures and keep your freedom. I'm Pip. And I'm Georgia. And between us, we have over 20 years of experience in big corporates and small startups to share with you. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And this week, we are talking about finance traps. So a few weeks ago, we went into a bit of depth about the different areas of your finances and your numbers that you should be tracking. And this week, we're going to talk about some of the finance traps that you might be falling into that are stopping you from scaling your business. So Pip, I'm going to come to you. Why is it so important for us to think about these finance traps? Well, I think as a business owner, really, when it comes down to it, the entire point of a business is to make profit, right? The entire reason for having a business is technically, if you're using the the official meaning of business, is to understand your finances. You need to understand your finances for that. And I know a lot of us build businesses for many other reasons, not just to make money. But it's really important that we understand the money that we're making in our businesses so they can be efficient, they can be effective, they can support us in the life that we're trying to build. And then also, we need to understand what's going on in our businesses just from a statutory perspective. So we need to understand how much money we're making. So we pay the right amount of tax. So our accountants can do our tax returns for us and our financial accounts every year. So it's just really important that we don't get ourselves to a place where we ignore everything because our business isn't our hobby, right? So we need to know the numbers. And I think when it comes to women, Sometimes we have been taught in society that, you know, you don't talk about numbers. And I know this is a massive thing from an English perspective. You know, you don't talk about salary, you don't talk about numbers, and it's a bit of a taboo thing. And actually with a small business, you need to understand your numbers. And so we've spent all this time in our life, like avoiding numbers and the financial conversations and finding them a bit awkward often. And so it's really also learning to feel confident stepping into this area where often we've not been given a lot of confidence from people around us in stepping into this area so we can really manage the situation ourselves and be in charge ourselves and not be reliant on anyone. I always think if you're running the business, you should know everything and you should never be reliant on anyone else to tell you exactly how your business is doing. You need to know yourself so you can be making those decisions. Yeah, I think that's really true. It's so important to be on top of those numbers, to understand the numbers, but also, as you said, just get really comfortable talking about money, talking about the cost of things, talking about the value of things, understanding what other people are paying in similar situations. I think one of the really big benefits of joining even like these mastermind coaching masterminds I found is how open everybody is at talking about money. So it's really easy to get a good handle on actually what are the things that I need to be considering you know, further down the line so I don't get tripped up or what are actually people paying for? Like what equals a good service? What's a fair wage? Like, you know, where do we stand with this? And I think when you're starting to think about scaling, you're going to have to bring on a team. That's one of the key things. So the sooner you can think about 
what will the cost be? And what do I, what am I hoping to achieve by investing in that team? You can get much more comfortable with the numbers of how you're going to pay people and why it's really worth bringing someone in to pay someone. And I think the other thing is it is so stressful when we don't know what's going on with our money. Like money can be really stressful if we don't understand it or if we think about it as something that's scary. So if we're actually just really open about it and really considering, okay, this is what's coming in, this is what's going out, this is the plan I can make to deal with it, we can be much more prepared for what's coming rather than it feeling like a really stressful kick in the stomach. So mm-hmm. there are heaps of mistakes I'm sure that we could all be making as we're starting to, to scale our businesses and think about the our finances what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that people are making, Pip? Great question. I mean, I think the biggest one is just ignoring your numbers or not tracking them, just hiding from them. So I think it's really easy, as you say, if you get stressed about money or a bit stressed about what's going on in the business, and this is it's such a normal feeling to have, is that you then hide from it, right? And you're like, okay, I'll deal with that next month. I'll deal with it when my accountant sends me his little note at the end of the year going, oh, you know, can you send me everything through? And so I think it's really important that you make sure you start getting comfortable with your numbers as early on as possible. And even if that makes you uncomfortable or you don't really know what they're telling you, go get help ask somebody and just get used to checking in regularly. And I know we talked a lot about what to check in in a previous episode, so we can always link that in the show notes for you. But if if you don't know what's going on and you don't have that data, you don't know which products are selling well or which clients are paying on time, you can't then make decisions properly in your business. Yes, you can think something's going on. You're like, oh, I think this product's selling really well. Or, you know, I really think that this client has brought me in a lot of revenue, but you don't actually know without looking at the numbers. And so it's really hard to make really good decisions unless you have those numbers. And I think also you need to know the numbers so you can be saving for tax and all those other aspects as well. But I think the biggest thing is just getting into the habit of starting to track your numbers and not ignoring them when everything feels a little bit scary yeah that's so true and actually it's not just the finance numbers is it it's not just knowing like what's coming in and out it's looking at what are the most valuable assets that you have within your business what are the most valuable revenue streams you have and therefore which team members are contributing to those revenue streams and they'll each have KPIs around what they're trying to do, how they're trying to contribute to that revenue stream. And I think for every team member, there's usually one number that's really important for them. So that could be the number or the percentage of people they are converting into lifetime clients, or it could be the number of five-star reviews they're getting a week, or it could be the number of clients they're delivering to, or the number of sales that they're bringing in each month, or the number of conversations they have each week. Whatever that team member is, there's something that you can measure and that they sort of need to be measuring to know that what you're paying them each month is a return on investment. So it all comes back to that ROI that we've talked about before. Yeah, and when it comes to, you mentioned assets, We also want to think about what's happening with our business in the long term. I think we can often be so stuck in the midst of things that we forget what the big plan is. Is it that 
we are going to need to get some money to come in to invest in something big in our business? Are we going to need to go raise finance? Are we looking to sell our business in the future? Are we actually just looking for it to make a lot of profit, which we then pull out, which is then our pension? You know, we've got to think about the longevity of our business and how this is setting us up for the future and not just for the, you know, the moment here and now. And knowing those numbers and understanding, and it's often not even understanding what questions to ask. It's just even understanding who you need to speak to, to try and find the questions you need to ask about setting yourself up and whether that's setting yourself up in the most tax efficient structure or the right business structure, or you're pulling out your profits in the right way, which again comes back to, you know, if you're in a mastermind or some kind of group, I find this is where I often find lots of new ideas around this. And it's really kind of sparks those conversations. But if you don't know your numbers, then you can't get yourself to a place where you you do know what's going to happen for yourself in the business. And I think it's really sad when women work really hard to create amazing businesses. And because they don't have that long term plan, they then can't make the money that they want to on sale or it kind of fizzles out and they don't actually get that long term financial reward that they really deserve from the incredible business that they've built. Yeah, that's so true. It's really about thinking about the long term future of it, isn't it? So that financial planning, monthly, quarterly, annually, but as you say, where you want that business to go. And I've had conversations with a number of clients actually recently that are starting to think about that five-year plan and saying, you know what, actually, I know in five years, I don't want to still be working this business. I want to be selling it. So I'm kind of reverse engineering where I need to get to with everything to be able to sell that. And that's thinking about how the, how you're going to invest in team, how you extricate yourself from doing everything in that business. Like what, what are the figures? Like what do you need to mm-hmm. think about as you get to that? So that's so important. Now, I may, know you mentioned taxes. I would say, is that kind of number two in terms of things that you need to think about when it comes to finance traps? Yes, absolutely hit the nail on the head so I know you've heard this before but the money coming into your business is not your money okay you can't just say oh brilliant we've got loads of sales this is my money off I go gonna buy myself a new bag or go on a new holiday the money coming into your business is your business's money right and so we need to understand from there what our costs are and then whittle it down to what our profit is and what our taxable profit is so we can understand how much we need to be putting aside and saving for our taxes because there is nothing worse than having a really great year and you feel really good about yourself and you're like yes the business is really finally taking off this year and then bam the tax bill comes through and you have no idea how big it is and it's just going to hit you and you suddenly have to scramble around to find that cash and you know I see the face you're making there like everybody has either been there or knows of someone who's been in this situation before right and it's just the worst situation to be in and yet we don't need to put ourselves in this situation we can be saving our money aside every month when we know what's going on. And then it's really nice because you know when that tax bill comes in, it's just the best feeling to go, yep, here's the money paid off and you know exactly where you stand within the business. So saving for taxes is definitely a huge one you need to get into the habit of doing. That's such a big thing to think about the money coming in as not your money because it's a really easy trap to fall into too isn't it and Mm -hmm. the more you can automate it and sort of directly direct debit money out of your account straight into your tax account so you don't even look at it you know you you haven't got time to be sad about the handbag that you didn't get to buy (laughs) you can (laughs) it just it just happens automatically 
Okay. So yeah, taxes is definitely a thing. But I, I also think thinking about that as well is not building enough of that profit margin into things. Would you agree? Like, how do you go about that? Particularly, I mean, with a service-based business, I feel like it's slightly easier. You know, you've got more cash that you can manage. You can do things slightly differently. But I know that product-based businesses are your specialty as well. How do you manage that in a product-based business? So you're right. Service bases is a lot easier to build in a profit margin because generally you start out and it's just your time. So it's more about valuing your time and then the small costs you incur. Where with products, you have the cost of the product. You often have a cost of developing the product potentially to begin with and all the other things that come with it, like, you know, packaging materials and shipping and import taxes and all those kind of things. Now, there are loads of different ways that you can calculate profit and I actually have a free workbook on this so if you want to know how to price your products send me a dm and I can send it to you maybe we can do a fun episode on this because there's loads of different things you can look at whether you're service-based or product-based but the thing that I would always say is that you want to have some pattern of how you manage your profit every for for every product or service that you are developing so with product-based business you'll generally have a margin that you want to hit a target margin so you'll know that you have to sell the product for say three times the cost or five times the cost of what it costs you to make and then you look at the market and you go okay is this cost where I think it should be. Do I have a premium product? Can I charge more for it? Am I trying to uh, compete on, you know, cost price? You know, you really need to think about where your brand sits within the market and then you can adjust your prices. And this is similar for product based, for service based as well, is that you, you go, okay, this is literally how much it's costing me to deliver the service. And then you add your profit onto, onto that. And then you can look kind of within the market and go, does this feel right? Do I feel like I'm getting enough money for this? Am I charging out my value enough? And obviously with this, you also need to think about all the other costs that come in that we forget about. It's not literally just the cost of providing the service or product. You need to think about VAT or sales tax if you're outside of the UK, if you're in America. You need to build that sales tax or that VAT into your product prices because if not, 20% will just be taken of profit before you even know it. And in a product-based business, that's that's going to be a pretty big hit. And also things like the cost of your time, I always find, especially in service-based businesses, people forget to put the cost of their own time in their pricing. I mean, I'm sure you've come across this a lot, Georgia, but I think that's something that we often forget about, that our time has a cost. Even though it's not an actual monetary cost coming out of the business, there is a cost and we need to include that, right? Absolutely. And it's definitely thing something that people forget because I think we really underestimate often how much time we put into something. Plus, you're also thinking about all the years that it took you to build up that knowledge that you are now selling within your service-based business. And if you want to scale that business, if you don't want it all to be you forever and ever and ever, you've got to start thinking about, okay, so what is the cost of replacing me within this client delivery? Because Now, instead of undercharging for myself, I'm actually going to have to pay someone else to be delivering this. So what would that be? And just almost start to use that to check your check. You're paying yourself fairly to begin with, because then it's going to make that shift into paying a team member much easier. And remember, if you're thinking about selling this business further down the line, you absolutely have to think about replacing yourself in every single step of your business model, because 
Otherwise you are literally going to have to sell yourself with the business, which we're obviously not going to do. So <laughs> really factoring that in to your pricing. I just wanted to just quick question there on the VAT, because that is definitely something that people often worry about in a service-based business. Are there any particular traps that people fall into around thinking about adding the VAT once they hit that threshold? Interrupting our own episode to bring you the exciting news of brand new Scaling Simplified VIP days. If you are ready to simplify scaling to seven figures, this is the day for you. Together, we will deep dive into your team, finance and operations so that we can create your bespoke step-by-step scaling strategy. For more information, check out the link in the show notes. So I would always price including VAT from day one of the business because up until you hit the VAT threshold you just get to take an extra 20% right so it's a bonus and I think when you're starting off we often don't pay ourselves enough there's lots of other costs going on in the business so that extra 20% often could be the the bit we pay ourselves whilst everything else all the other money in the business is paying for all the the other things we need to keep the business running so I actually think it's quite a smart way of get paying yourself as you're just getting yourself off the ground the other big trap i see is that people stay below the VAT threshold because they don't want to pay VAT and actually that's damaging the growth of their business when they're like actually keeping themselves below the VAT threshold. And the VAT threshold has stayed at 85K a year for a really long time. And so with inflation and everything, if you're staying below that threshold, you're actually shrinking your company year on year rather than growing in line with inflation. So it's really important that you just get over it and you pay your VAT. And yes, it's a little bit more hassle and everything, but it's a really cool sign when you hit the VAT threshold because it means you have a proper business, right? So I think it's something that we need to see as like this really exciting milestone as opposed to, oh no, we've got more tax to pay. I think there's generally a feeling of, I I don't want to pay tax. I'm going to spend all my money to make sure that my profit's really low so I don't pay tax. And actually taxes are an amazing sign that you're doing well. So I think we really need to change the narrative around changing tax, about paying tax and actually see it as a sign that our business is doing really well and we're we're being really successful and see that as a really good sign as opposed to something we should be avoiding. I love that. Let's celebrate hitting the VAT threshold. And definitely I have seen this with, with friends as well when you know they said it's amazing. My business has got to this point where I'm I've now hit the VAT threshold. Like I am on the up. So yeah, keep thinking about that. What else is what else is happening if we are not keeping in line with inflation? So we definitely need to keep prices in line with inflation because inflation has been, I mean, inflation has been pretty crazy over the last, what, 15 months. And, you know, we've hit double digit inflation and we can see it in terms of, you know, interest rates rising. So we want to really ensure that we're increasing our prices to reflect inflation. Now, this might not be that we're increasing them directly in line with inflation, but we need to be cognizant of what's happening in the industry around us and within other companies that are selling similar products or offering similar services. Because if inflation is, say, at 10% a year, then in a year's time, if we make the same amount of money, we're actually 10% behind 
where we were last year. So our business has actually shrunk from where it was last year. If you make 100K revenue each year, then you're actually shrinking rather than growing because the value of money has decreased. And I think this is something that we forget about quite a lot because it's quite a a weird concept, the value of money and inflation and, and, and everything to do with that. So I think it's really important that we build in those regular pricing checks at least once a year. There's a there's a chance for you to sit and reflect on your pricing. You know, often this needs to be more frequent, especially in service-based businesses when you bring in team and underneath. But it's something we can't forget about. You can't say, oh, well, I used to sell this service for this amount of money. Or I used to sell this product for this amount of money. Yeah, that's great. You used to, but this year you're not, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. But yeah, keeping keeping growth in line with inflation is really important. As well as keeping track of what you might need in reserve. Would you agree? Like thinking about what might be coming up, worst case scenario, like how much should we be planning ahead in terms of keeping some money aside? Great question. So I would always say that you need to start small and then aim for what feels comfortable for you. Now, most most people, depending on your risk tolerance, feel comfortable in about having about three months runway. So essentially, if you take all the costs your business has over three months and you put that money and you just chuck it in a savings account somewhere. And at the moment, we've got some, you know, actual interest on our savings. So, you know, you can actually make some money out of doing this. But this will really depend on your risk tolerance. Some people want, you know, to eventually get to a six month place. Other people you know, have much lower or higher risk tolerance. And so they only want one month. But I would always say three months is about good because if something happened today, say you got ill or say something, you lost a big supplier, a big client and everything's sort of ground to a halt really quickly. It's really nice to know that you've got three months to figure everything out. I think most entrepreneurs could get everything back up and running and going within three months. A month is a little bit short. Obviously, if you're a bigger company and you've got greater team costs and everything like that, you might feel more comfortable doing four months or five months or six months. But I think the big thing is to not try and aim for three months to begin with. It's okay, I'm going to put aside a week's worth of costs and I'm going to put aside two weeks worth of costs and just feel like it's a little, you've got a little pot that you're aiming for and you're just slowly adding into that pot. And as you said earlier about automating where your money goes, this is a really good way to do this. So your money comes in, your sales money comes in and you automate it out. So some of it goes into your tax savings part. Some of it goes into your runway. Some of it goes into your pay. And this is actually a methodology called Profit First, which I know a lot of people follow, which um, I think is a really good way of ensuring that you're paying yourself and you're making a profit. But I think automating that and just not even touching the money, just letting it go out to where it needs to go and then saying, okay, this is what I've got left. This is what I can invest in in this and that in the business. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Yeah, it is it's the automation and putting that money aside. And and equally, this kind of mirrors with what we were saying with team as well. <clears throat> one, one thing I see people do a lot is not investing in that support early enough and not realizing the value of their own time. Plus thinking that it's better that they do tasks that just fall within their zone of competence or even mm-hmm. excellence, but not their zone of genius. So they're paying themselves high level to do quite non, like quite not meaningful tasks for them, things that are not like 100% in their skill set. So thinking about where is your time most valuably spent, thinking about investing in that support early on. And actually, I love this idea of factoring in VAT early. 
because actually what you could be doing is using that money, putting that, saving it into a, a small fund to get you started with that first hire so that you know you've got a month or two backup money there ready to pay them if they haven't quite started generating their ROI in the role as well. So thinking about, I know I'm going to want team from, from the get-go. So where am I putting that money aside so I feel really comfortable bringing them in as soon as I can to take over some of these tasks that are really absorbing a lot of my time? Yeah, I completely agree. I think with team, it's always, you always want to be hiring just before you feel quite comfortably financially too, don't you? Because that team member is going to bring in, if you if you do it right, it's going to bring in revenue or it's going to free up your time so you can bring in more revenue. And I think it's really understanding that data you have in your business and going, okay, right, I have this much money. This is where our, our sales are coming in. Here is where we're projected to go. So I know that if we hire this team member, it's going to cost me this. And this is our aim. We're going to create this much more revenue because I'm going to be out doing more sales stuff or they're coming in to help me with sales or marketing or whatever that person's role might be. And I think that really comes down to you can't make decisions without having the data. And I know a lot of us, especially running a business, we're really trying to lead from a place of compassion and really kind of we look inside and use our gut to help guide where we're going and really build businesses that are aligned with what we want. But we always need to be using that data as well to understand where we're going. I always think that you should kind of trust your gut and then back it up with data, right? I think sometimes we can get so data-driven that we stop seeing the bigger picture and we're just so honed in on something. But it's really about going, now. this is what I want to do with the business. This is my vision. Okay, let's look at the numbers and see whether this is sensible or actually are the numbers telling me that this might be a better path to go. And it's not just the numbers within your business. You know, it's not just what's selling well and what's not selling well. It's also looking at the numbers of the market that you're in. You know, we discovered by looking at this recently, a whole new potential area of growth, which we hadn't realized had grown so big because we started looking at some industry data and we said, actually, we've got products that we could tweak and sell to this market very easily. And immediately you found a whole new revenue stream. And I think it's about really putting your idea and vision in the context of that data so you can make the the right decisions for you and for your business and for the long term. Amazing. Okay, before we wrap up with the key takeaways that people need to think about, is there any last top tips that you want to add into that? The biggest finance trap, and this little bonus one, is that you should be paying yourself from day one. And I'm not saying, you know, you need to pay yourself a six-figure salary from day one. I, I really understand that, you know, it's hard to get a business off the ground and money can be stressful. And sometimes you might sit there, especially if you're early on and think, oh my goodness, where the money is. Or if you're in that scaling and you've got these huge bills coming in and you're, you know, you're really struggling with cash, you think, okay, I'll pay myself in three months time. I'll pay myself in six months time once we've just got a little bit further. But you really need to start getting into the habit of paying yourself as early on as possible for a multitude of reasons that we've talked about. And I'm sure we'll continue to talk about on the podcast. But even starting out small and just getting into the habit, even if it's just putting 50 pounds aside, you know, each week or something, just a little bit just to get into that habit of putting the money aside. And depending on how your business is set up, there'll be different ways to do this the most efficiently. Obviously, if you have, if you're a sole trader, any profit you make is yours anyway, and you're getting taxed on it. But if you run a limited company, then you want to be thinking about employing yourself, taking out the personal allowance each year, and then taking out dividends on top of that. And obviously, 
This is not specific tax advice for you. It will really depend on your personal situation. But there are really smart ways in which you can pay yourself and do it in a way that also sets you up. So you are, you know, getting your national insurance contributions and all the other things you need to think about. So, you know, you have access to, you know, state pension later in life and all these other things. But start paying yourself from day one, even if it's pennies, it's worth getting that habit. And then slowly over time, you can start seeing that pot grow. And, and start really reaping the rewards of your business. Amazing. Okay. So before we give everybody the fear <laughs> about all the things that they need to think about with these finance traps, as we said, there are some simple things you can get started with straight away. So number one is making sure that you're tracking your numbers. Don't ignore it. Don't push it down the road. Take a look at those numbers every day, every week, every month. There is a separate episode that we've done all about what to track. So definitely don't ignore your numbers. And then number two, you want to be saving for your tax. As that revenue is coming in, just put some of the money aside so you don't get hit by that surprise tax bill at the end of the year. Amazing. Number three, not building enough profit margin into your products or your services. So remember, this is especially important when you're starting to charge VAT. So think about that from the get-go, but really keep on top of that profit margin. And then number four, you want to make sure you're regularly reviewing your prices and make sure that you're rising, raising them in line with inflation. If you want to grow your business, you need to be growing faster than inflation. If not, you're just standing still. So really be cognizant of those, that, those numbers. Great. Number five, making sure that you're saving that three month runway. Start small. As we said, it can be a week, then two weeks, then a month. And then and eventually you've got three months in an account that's actually giving you some interest nowadays, which is good news. And then number six, you want to make sure you're investing in support early enough. You need to slowly step out of the business, out of all the doing roles. And so don't get scared to spend that money on getting help in your business. That's ROI back and it will help you grow your business. So don't take too long to get help coming in. And finally, just making decisions based on your gut without actually seeing how the data is backing that up. So if in doubt, look at the data because that is going to help you make the right decision going forward. Fantastic. I hope that helped you understand where you can be spending a little bit more time and energy in your finances. And remember, finances do not need to be scary at all. So if you want any more information or access any of the resources that we mentioned, then just head to the show notes and you'll find all the links there. Thank you for listening to Scaling Simplified with me, Pip Harland. And me, Georgia Fitzgerald. If you've loved this episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We love it when you get in touch. So head to the show notes and drop us a DM or send us an email. We want to hear all about your business.